Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Legends of League podcast. By the way, this is part one of episode seven, so thank you so much for your support so far on the Legends of League podcast. Anthony Maroon is my name, and as usual, we are coming to you from the Four Pines Brew Pub in beautiful, sunny downtown Manly, and this week we want to tell you about this one. It's just simply called Freshy. I tell you what, if you want to try something fresh, try this. Absolutely beautiful from Four Pines, that famous brand. Now, coming up... Today on the show, we've got a couple of big guests. I'm really looking forward to talking to Anthony Mundine, the famous chock who, of course, had a wonderful career in rugby league and then in boxing and one of his partners in crime through the 90s at the Dragons, an old mate of mine, Nathan Brown. So stay with us. We're going to do it next. Part one of our Legends of League podcast, episode seven. Stay right there. G'day everybody, welcome to our Legends of League podcast, live at the Four Pines Brew Pub in beautiful sunny downtown Manly. Anthony Maroon is my name. I got some, well, two, I've really been looking forward to this today. Uh, two guests from the Dragons, good mates, and they played at the Dragons together in the 90s. There's a million ways we could take this conversation, but we'll start with footy, Anthony Chockmundine. Gee, it's good to see you, old mate. Good to see you, Ant. It's funny, I just said to Nathan Brown, who's here as well, we were in a Triple M on Sunday and I said to you, didn't I, Nathan, have you seen Anthony Mundine? And there we go. And I caught up with Chuck a couple of weeks ago. My younger brother's actually spent a bit of time with Chuck, which has been good for him and uh, for my younger brother. And I caught up with Chuck at uh, one of his many places the other day in Blakehurst. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mate, before we do get, rip into it, I, I noticed you got the the work shirt on there. It's got the Aboriginal flag, and what's this? What's this MGM building maintenance? Uh, it's, it's MGM stands for Mundine Ghost Management. Um, my partner uh, Ghost Deher. We um, we've got the first um, roadside Indigenous barrier. We, we're working on the hoardings now, so just trying to, you know, set a sort of give, give presence of Aboriginality. To the, to the construction sort of beside. Yeah, good. Good on you, mate. You, you know what? I, I've always meant to say this to you, Chock. One of my first footy games I've ever went to, 1974, Zetland versus Redfin All, Redfin All Blacks with your old man on the wing. Yeah, nah, he, he played with the, with, with the with the boys, Blacks, and um, he played Zetland too, I think, so would have been great. My Uncle Mick was there. Yeah. A few of the, the brothers, yeah. Yeah, he's still getting around Redfin Street, isn't he? I see no, him every pretty, other day. He's a, he's a beast, Tunza. Yeah. He's not, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's not your average, like, 70-year-old. Yeah. Is he 70? He's 69 oh. and 70 next year. All right, boys, we'll get back to all that because we've got the boys here for a couple of episodes, so we'll be able to talk about what happened in the 90s and Chock's boxing career, etc. Before we do, let's look back at the uh, round of footy that we just had, which the Raiders beat the Roosters by 24 points to 20. Brownie, let me start with you there. The Raiders have got – I know we say you can't use excuses, uh, injuries as excuses, but bugger me, they've got more players injured than they haven't. Yeah, they've got plenty injured, but it- – Probably shows where uh, Sticky's got the club at the moment. They're competing very hard, and you know there was a period of time there under Rick in the early part of the days where offensively they were obviously very good, but defensively they weren't so good. But you know the past eighteen months, two years, they've been real, beating that real sort of great competitive defensive part of the game, and you know to score twenty four against the Raiders with the amount against the Roosters with the amount of players they had, it was great. But if you're a Roosters fan, there's still plenty to cheer about for you this season. Mm. Chuck, you're still watching plenty of footy, mate? Yeah, I watch a bit. Well, mainly watch the, the good games, you know what I mean? The, the um, sort of top of table clashes. And watch the, the brothers that I've got some family playing. So yeah. 
check them out a little from time to time. But uh, when I find the time, I'll definitely watch mm. it. Yeah. What about when all is said and done, mate? Of course, you played ninety nine percent of your career with the Dragons, but you had that year with the Broncos, and you do have connections even to our famous club, the Rabbitohs. What club do you support? Um, uh, I sort of got a soft spot for the Dragons. Yeah, and obviously I, I checked Brisbane out a bit too because I had a bit of history there. One one uh, year history there, and um, yeah, so I just. Mainly just follow the me a lot of fans like Blake Ferguson, yeah, Jimmy Roberts, um, just follow the boys and hope mm. you know try to hope they do well. Yeah, Fergo's going so well, isn't he? Um, the next game, boys, Brownie Storm Titans, Storm Forty Two Titans Six. Probably not a lot we can read into this one, but I do feel I'd be interested to get your thoughts as an expert. Although they're copping the occasional flogging Titans, I think they look more desperate, more determined. I thought at the start of the year the Titans could win, you know, six or seven games this year under Justin. I reckon they'd give that a tick for year one. And I reckon that, you know, obviously what you're seeing at the moment is when the Melbourne Storms and the Roosters and these really sort of top teams play the teams down the bottom, you know, the, the golfs, the, the class and golf mm. and the change of style of the, of the, the rules have made that gap a lot, a lot bigger. So it doesn't surprise me to see the Storms and the Roosters beat the bottom end table is so convincing, but where you see the improvement in the Titans is is is, uh, is how much longer it's taken the better teams to get on top of them, one, and two, what they're doing when they play the sides who are in similar positions on the table. But I reckon the Titans are, are making some steady progress, and with you know the the couple of recruitment decisions they've got coming in next year, and obviously if they could land David Fafita, you'll see him improve a fair bit again next year mm-hmm. and, and that's probably what they'd be hoping for is gradual improvement, not going from you can't expect them to go from real low to real low. But I, I give them a tick the goal because I think they're making steady progress. Mm. The storm, um, they're gonna be up there in the top couple of teams at the end of the year again, as they always are under Craig Bellamy. And I actually think the storm this year, they're not quite attacking quite as good as they were in the early part of last year. But I think their team's actually better. They've got a their middle rotation when they're 100% fit is a lot stronger than last year because uh, young Tino's a far better player this year. Um, Welch is back from his knee reconstruction. So if you actually look at the Storm side this year, you know, sometimes they can have big Tino come off the bench with Nelson, where last year Nelson and and um, Jess Bromwich pretty much had to start from, so their bench was not as strong, where the Storm's middle rotation's a lot stronger this year. So as they grow with their attack, you know, them... You know, they're going to be there right at the end, whether they play in the grand final and win or whether they play the game before, but they're going to be yeah. right at the pointy end of the table again. All right, Chock, obviously I mentioned earlier that you played with the Broncos for a season and you won a premiership, which is one of your great memories of a wonderful career in NRL and boxing. So you would have seen the Tigers beat the Broncos 48-0. Where do you think the problem is with the Broncos, mate? Man, <clears throat> um... I don't know. Obviously, there's got to be something something going on, whether it was with the um, with the with the coach or the camaraderie of the team, um, some something something in house, or maybe the, I'm not sure where to actually pinpoint it, but there's definitely got got to address what's going on and you know, bounce back. Yeah, Brownie, what about you? You you look at this from a bloke who never played professional sport. Is it possible, I'm not suggesting that it's happening here, but is it possible it gets to a point where a coach is on the nose with the players and the players just start get together and say, you know what, bugger this bloke, 
that could happen. That's determined by by performances, unfortunately, and by the the lack of effort or the amount of effort. You know, so you know, Brisbane are obviously in a really sticky situation at the moment, where every week I suppose everyone's consistently talking about the coach, the lack of commitment from the players, and this is a bit of a bad cycle from the beam. What you know, what you'd you'd like to see Brisbane is is you'd like to see a, you know two or three real competitive performances in a row. Um, at the moment, we're we're not seeing that, and that that would disappoint the not only the coaching staff, but it'd disappoint elements of the playing group as well. You know, but you know they've let a lot of experience go. Um, so and obviously Alex Glenn's injured, so there's not huge amounts of leadership there at the moment. And you know, probably their their best leader is probably Darius, who who's not seen as their best leader and is probably playing in a position which is probably the one that's most foreign to him in the back line. Mm. You know, so yeah, I'm I, I'm not sure how it's got to this stage. Um, everyone's got their opinions on it, but it's certainly when Wayne left two years ago and Siebes went there, this is not what people were expecting to happen. That's mm. for sure. It's gone north instead of south, I suppose. Yeah. Sometimes, like, Brandon would know, playing, you know, when you, when you lose sort of big games by big score lines, um, you know, the confidence sort of falls a bit and the, the playing groups sort of don't believe in, them, mm. believe in themselves or their abilities. You know, it reminds me of um, early 2000. We were playing Melbourne, um, in Melbourne, and um, yeah. and I said that, you know, we're the rule champs. I come out and said, we're the rule champs. We're going to come down there and, and whip them. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> we went down there, we got beat 71-10. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I think, I'm not sure what happened after that, but, you know, <laughs> sometimes certain games can just not go your way and, you know, it feels, you know, Try after try, mm. being scored. Yeah. The hardest thing for Brisbane at the moment is, is they've got a very talented young list of players, but they're in a real situation where they're getting obviously battered by the media, battered by past players, the coaches and staff are getting attacked every week consistently, and they don't know how to navigate their way out of it because they've never been in these situations before, and the only way you get better at it is through experience, mm. and they haven't really got many people there left at the club that can help get them through it, you know, and that's why. You know, the more you coach, the more you actually learn about what experienced players, good experienced players bring to the table. It's not it's not just about their talents, but it's obviously helping other players navigate their way through some tougher times and tougher situations. And at the moment, you know, Brisbane's only got a couple of players that have probably found themselves in tough situations before. Where these young kids they got, they're all that good of players. You know, most of them have been so talented. The game's been so easy from their whole life. Mm. But, Chuck, let me direct this one to you. Like... It, it, Playing first grade NRL, mm. the pressure that is put on you, especially somebody like you who who can create, um, you know, a lot of attention. Mm. Then you move to boxing, the pressure of boxing, the pressure of NRL as a sportsman, the pressure this Anthony Seabold that he is under at the moment. They've lost seven of eight. How does he cope with what's going on in his head? Yes, because I couldn't. Yeah, it's quite. It'll be it'll be quite hard on him, quite daunting for him, but. For me, man, I know I was just very resilient to that type of stuff. You know what I mean? No matter what nobody said about me, no matter what the pressure that was on me, I, always, I sort of thrived under that. You, you lack confidence, I mean? yeah. I lack, <laughs> I lack, I lack <laughs> confidence, but you know, I was so confident that I knew I, I'd come good. Mm. You know what I mean? So he's got to believe in himself, believe in his um his coaching ability, and 
and try and get this team together and, and try and bounce back, back the best way you can. All right. I've been looking forward to talking about this one, boys. The Dragons 28 over the Bulldogs 22. Now, say six weeks ago, uh, the Dragons board said to Paul McGregor, you got four weeks to sort of make to show us something, and out of that, we look six weeks down the track. They've won two, they've the, lost two, the, and won two. The Dragons board didn't actually say that, Maroon. What did they say? They had a an urgent board meeting and mm. said they're supporting the coach. They don't. The Dragons board doesn't come out with time frames because time frames put pressure on the media. Actually, just get it, and they just go week by week or game by mm. game, and mm. the pressure gets higher and higher. What St George do is they just said we're supporting the coach. Yeah, right. Okay. And there was no time frames, no game limits. Once you put game limits and time frames on, the media just the media see it and they mm. just go week by week and loss by loss or win by win and just tick the box and yeah. come up with all the headlines. And that's pretty much – I'm not sure that Brisbane actually come out and said Anthony Seabold's got the last – Five got of ten. I don't know if that's mm. true or not, but mm. if it is true, look at the fun the media has had with that. Mm. Well, okay, I- even if it's not true with, with Mary – they still won four of their last six, so mm. he's quietly turned the joint around. They're winning the games that they probably should be winning. Sometimes it's ugly, but they've had some massive wins. And you blokes both played football with Paul McGregor. Uh, can Where do the Dragons go from here? Can they keep winning? Can they sneak into the eight? Because six weeks ago, nobody thought it was possible. Um, obviously, I'd, I hope they can sneak in the eight. Um, they've had a... Their run's going to get a lot harder with the teams they're going to play. Um, they've played some games lately where they've had, like I thought, their second half against Manly was probably one of their best halves of footy. Mm. They, you know, they had a great second half against the Raiders where they just got beat. Um, they had the game against the Roosters where I thought, again, to, to go 65, 70 minutes of the Roosters was outstanding. So they've won a couple in a row. So they've certainly made some decisions positionally which seem to have helped them. You know, they've really got some, you know, Hunt to hooker seems to be a good thing. Um, McGuinness to lock seems to be a great thing. Uh, the young kid Lomax to centre, Dufty to fullback, all these things seem to be working very well for them. I thought the weekend's performance was their worst performance of the past six weeks. And if Kieran Foran didn't get hurt, I think they would have got beat. You know, mm. because unfortunately, you know, the, the Canterbury squad's a bit light on talent and in key positions they've just got zero experience. And Kieran Foran, as he showed last year when he was fit, they won a handful of games and when he's not fit, they struggle with him because of his mm. lack of experience. But um, it'll be real interesting the next month for the Dragons. But what they certainly have got right is, you know, under some very difficult circumstances and, you know, Mary being under the pump with where he was at when they were, they couldn't win a game, to come up with the positional positional changes has seemed to be a real masterstroke for him. And, and I know from talking to Mary, you know, about footy in, in the past 18 months, I know a long, long time ago he always thought the combination of Hunt being playing some dummy half and McGuinness playing some lock would be in the team's best interest, but they never got it on because obviously he had Widdop and they had all sorts of different people there. But I think his first gut feel and when you watch the Dragons play seems to be the right sort of solution for where they're mm. at at the moment. And Chuck, I, I still would consider, mate, that you are the most talented, naturally gifted, talented back the joint venture has ever seen. Hold on. I definitely, Maroon, definitely. Hold on. Definitely. Why do you need to pump him up? <laughs> He's not lacking confidence. <laughs> definitely, bro. I want him to come out of his shell a little I, bit. I was a dead set beast, bro. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, I felt that's why I was so cocky and so, so brash about my ability because I believed in myself and I, I, wasn't, I feel like I wasn't getting there just you you know, I was always with, in that era against Daly, against Fitler, against the top guys, 
and I wanted to take them on. I wanted to yeah, say, yeah. like, I'm here, baby. Yeah. Let, let's get it on. And that's my was my mentality. It's like a fighter's mentality. Mm. So every time we'd play, I'd be like talking a smack to him, and yeah. Brandon would be like, "What did you say today?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> I would too. I'd say, "What have you done today?" <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, mm. it's part of the entertainment, man. Mm. You know, it's part about. Bringing the best out of each other, and, and it's um, probably why he went to boxing because Chuck did see it as a bit of a one-on-one battle, and mm. and obviously Freddie and Losnell that were absolute legend players. But Chuck did actually enjoy playing against them, and always generally as as an individual played good against you know. Mm. So that's probably why boxing probably suited him because he saw rugby league as a one-on-one challenge. Where for me, <laughs> I always saw it as more of a. Hopefully, I can do my bit to help the team well. Yeah. Where Chuck would see his position as a real challenge, you know, yeah. where I was never actually really like that. But that's probably something yeah, I was, I was like, I just felt like I was a leader, you know what I mean? I was out, I was out there leading the way. And yeah. then if you got to, I get my team to follow me. I'm yeah. a winner. I got to win. I'm competitive at, at heart, at nature. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm here to win. Yeah, well, you've proven yourself time and time again, old mate. Yeah, well, you know, that's just, that's just. Be careful, Murray. That's, that's the way it is, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just want. At the end of the day, I want to get the um, the the, uh, the people to 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 witness that, you know, mm. and, and to say that, you know. Knights beat the Rabbitohs, got out to a twenty nil start, beat the Rabbitohs twenty to eighteen. Now, I'm going to pump your tyres up a bit here, Brownie, because I, you know, there's four or five jobs going as NRL coaches, and I I only think any other of these NRL clubs have only got to look at what you've done at the Knights. And you're not there, and I raise this with you, and you always say, oh, yeah, there was other people involved in the success of the Knights. But, mate, look at the roster they've got that you built. Oh, well, as I said, there's people that helped, and obviously having the, you know, one of the fortunate things at Newcastle when I got there was obviously the NRL were helping us, helping the Knights at that stage. They were putting in a, so our spend was about mid-table, where for a lot of the years the Knights just didn't have them have the money to actually put into their juniors. You know? So the, new, the juniors at the Knights, not that they weren't neglected, but financially they had no money, so they couldn't do anything. So fortunately when I got there, um, you know, Matty Gidley was CEO and Gids really supported myself and Moons and you know, Moons put some little structures in place and we got some full-time coaches in the juniors and financially we could actually show the, the, the local players that there was a lot of a lot of um, thought and care being put into the Knights had a full-time welfare officer, a full-time strength conditioner, two full-time coaches, and all those people contribute to it, but you do need a little bit of finance. And the Knights, you know, it was probably the Super League war was great for Newcastle because it helped them keep the Johns boys, Paul Harrigan mm. and all that. But when all that money dried up in the early 2000s, all of a sudden Greg Bird and Boyd Corden all these blokes that were Knights juniors, they weren't staying at Newcastle because the money was far greater everywhere else and the Knights just couldn't actually, they could not compete. Mm. So it wasn't that, it wasn't that uh, if Mick Hagen was coach or whoever the coach was was thinking this bloke is not good. Everyone knew they were good. The test players, are going to be test players, but they couldn't compete and they couldn't put the finance into the juniors. And once the Knights lose their junior system, they're no hope. And uh, so fortunately, as I said, that contribution helped and obviously Matty Gidley supported, you know, me and Moons in making some, some rather big decisions about getting rid of people but and then saving money and you know not going so good for two years because we were way 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 under the cap but that enabled us to then buy you know Caelan Ponga and Mitchell Pearce and these type of players so you know it's it is a real sort of teamwork and you know you need a CEO you need a, a football manager you need a head coach a recruiter you need everyone on the same page and aligned and contributing for a team mm. for a team to keep going well and um for the Knights now they're starting to slowly 
built into a good team in their game the other day. I thought going into the game, I thought they'd beat South Sydney comfortably. Um, and after 65 minutes, they probably should have nearly led 30-36-0. Yeah. Mm. They were clearly, clearly better than South Sydney. South Sydney's credit, they actually they were a drop ball over the trial line from winning the game. But I think if those two played each other 10 times in the next 10 weeks with what's available to be picked at the moment, I think the the Knights have win eight or nine of the games. Choco, just to close off on that game, you mentioned uh, James Roberts earlier. So he's been back at the Rabbitohs about 12 months and we're only seeing, you know, sporadically what he can do. Yeah, you're only seeing glimpses mm. of what he's um, capable of, obviously. He's a electrifying player that can um, explode at any time mm. and we just need more consistency with that and um, I'm sure this more game time will, will help him. Okay. Uh, Manly 22, Parramatta 18. And again, Brownie, that's like – Manly, I don't know if they can win the competition, but they're certainly a gutsy side with great character that will always knock off a big scalp. Yeah, well, that's what I was really impressed with the Dragons second half two weeks ago because Manly have had these top, top-line players not playing and they beat the Raiders, um, were very unlucky against the Knights – Two sides that are, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all confident are going to be there at the end of the year, bar an injury. And then against the Dragons, that's why I was really impressed with the Dragons' second half because Manly have been either winning or getting beat by minimal margins on the back of some really, really difficult defence to score against. So I didn't see them beating Parramatta off the back of their second half against the Dragons, but they did a job on Parramatta. Like, they did the job early and the score certainly didn't sort of sum up where that game mm. is. That Manly won very, very well. And... You know, Manly are a team for me, if they can win enough games now and they can get all the players back, they could beat anyone in their day because they're, they're, they're top, top players. They're top, top players for any club and they're making any team better. Okay. Uh, Sharks 46, Warriors 10. Now, I want to stay with the Warriors here for a second because, uh, you know, it would seem that it's only going to get harder and harder for them as the year goes on. And we've got this situation now where four players are heading back to New Zealand. But then we're starting to hear with the demise of the Toronto Wolfpack. If anyone doesn't know, the Toronto Wolfpack are the Canadian-based English Super League side. With the demise, we're starting to hear names like uh, Josh McCrone, Ricky Latelli, but more importantly, Sonny Bill Williams-Chock. Could he make a reappearance in the NRL after what must be 2013 grand final? Yeah, well, it's obviously possible, man. It's a possibility. Um, you know, anyone that can you know, maybe get Sonny's services will be... You know, be so, be so deadly for the club, um, for the franchise. You know, not just for the football, but you know, for the for the young kids and the discipline that he, he shows mm. as an athlete, and to bring the best out of everybody that that, that he's around. So it'll be definitely a scalp um, if you get Sonny. Um, he's still at that. He's still got. He's still got what it takes to to be a winner. Yeah, which he, he's always ha- has been a fierce competitor. So um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. So you, you don't think there's any doubt? If he came, hooked up with the Warriors for, for a month or six weeks, you have no doubt everything would be fine? Uh, no doubt, no mm. doubt. Sonny's, Sonny's like, he's an ultra sort of competitor as well. And, he, you know, he wants, he wants, he's really hard on himself um, when it comes to, you know, his, his efforts and his, 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 you know, playing career, so... I'm sure that um, 
anyone who gets him will be uh, be a plus for them. Sharks put 46 points on them, though, Brownie. You know, th- they are a side too, and I think their coach comes under a lot of uh, unnecessary pressure. But he's got Aaron Woods in the side. Obviously, he's got Wade Graham in the side. He's got Johnson. He's got some big names. And where do you see them? Bottom end of the top eight? Um, before the season started, and obviously they lost Josh Morris, you know, obviously what a terrific experienced player he's been. And he's served every club and every coach he's been at very, very well, regardless whether he was 18 or 19 or whether he's 34 or however old Josh is now. And obviously the Bronson Cherry one was a huge, huge loss from, you know, obviously with what's happened there, you know, it's probably, you know, the best young centre talent, you know, we've seen for, for a number of years. Um, so I wasn't quite sure where they were going to end up because they've lost a lot of experience in the past few years. And now, you know, the most experienced players now, when you, you, you look back at Paul Gallen, you look at Mick Innes, you look at Luke Lewis, you look at the, these blokes, you know, Matty Pryor, you know, Matty Pryor, his mm. time at Cronulla. These blokes come to the party every week. They come to play every single game. Cronulla's biggest problem at the moment is, is some of their experienced players don't come to the game every week for mine. Mm. Very talented. And what you're seeing at the moment is they play a side that's similar position on the table below them and their talents really, they just absolutely can pump them, you know. But then they play a side at the other end of the table and if they're not quite there, they've had some scores put on them. So, you know, for me, you know, Cronulla's um, got a fair bit of youth in there now. If their experienced players can stay on the field and, and give them some really good consistency, they could sneak in the bottom part of the eight. If mm. they don't get the real consistency out of their senior players, they're not going to be in the eight because they have got a fair bit of youth. And Johnny Morris is obviously paying the price for some sins of the club of the past with the salary cap as well, which, you know, it's a bit unfortunate that Johnny's being judged on that. Okay, North Queensland Cowboys, uh, Tabuai Fado, uh, Dijan Assi, Jake Clifford. Um, if I'm... If I'm signing the checks at the North Queensland Cowboys, I'm ringing up Nathan Brown saying, look at all these, look at what you've done at Newcastle and look at all these kids coming through together. I mean, if they haven't spoken to you, Brownie, about coaching the Cowboys, I mean, they must be on the long necks up there. You're the first person I'd call. Would you? How do you feel about that? Uh, look, the North Queensland, there's been a few jobs come up lately and there's no doubt North Queensland is a... Uh is a, um, certainly a good opportunity for any coach. You know, they've got some, you know, unfortunately for, for Greeny this year, obviously Mick Morgan hasn't played. Um, you know, McLean's been injured again, had a bit of a bad run with the injury. You know? So they've got some very good experienced players. Obviously Val's come back, but unfortunately he's been injured too now, so he hasn't been able to get going, going neither. But they've certainly got a blend of some good experienced players. And, you know, their re- recruiter, Clint Zemmett's a very good recruiter. So they've got some... Uh, very, very good young players and, you know, they've, for like the last sort of part, sort of 15 or 16 years, they've had a really good period for the footy club. You know, Graham Murray went there, oh, geez, when did Muzz go? There was a, in the 2000s at some stage in the t- mid sort mm. of, mid sort of late, sort of mid part of that sort of early, early 2010-ish sort of period. And Muzz, you know, made the decision to take Jonathan Thurston there um, and they built their club around JT and then King Henry went there and did a great job and... Uh, got into the finals on numbers of occasions mm. and then unfortunately um, they saw fit to, for King to go and then Paul Green came in there and continued the growth of the club and won a, won a competition, you know, which 
was great, you know. And what people need to understand is, in Paul Green's case, is you know the North Queens have had a bit of a lean run under Greenie for the last few years, but Paul Green's an outstanding footy coach. He just may need to go to a new challenge, and mm. North Queensland may need a new coach. But um, it certainly is a, a great opportunity. Got a new stadium. They're a club that's stable. You don't you don't see them change coach every two or three years. Um, so it's certainly a great opportunity. Whichever coach gets it, there'll be a thousand in for it. It's certainly got a good opportunity. So a thousand. When you say a thousand, Brownie, are you one of those, or are you a thousand and one? Oh, look, as I say about coaching, Marinda, coaching's about people actually thinking you're right for the job. They'll have a thousand people want that job because it is a good opportunity. Yeah. There's not a coach out there that wouldn't tell you that North Queensland is a great opportunity, but people have got to actually see you as the right person, the right fit. Yeah. Well, mate, nice place to live too, Castle Hill, beautiful and warm. The only thing, Brownie, is you need some bloody 30-plus for your head. Or we'll get you a cap. <laughs> Caps these days, Marine. Standard cap. You know, he doesn't have the hair like you used to. No, he doesn't, does he, Chock? But what about this, uh, Chock, this coaching, what do, we, what do we want to call it, a roundabout at the moment? Cowboys looking for a coach. Warriors looking for a coach. Who knows? At the end of the year, obviously the Dogs, maybe, maybe, I hope I'm wrong, maybe the Dragons toward the end of the year, maybe the Broncos toward the end of the year. I mean, if we've only got to lose one more coach and a quarter of the coaches have ceased at the club they are at this year, yeah, man, it's, it's like a, it's crazy, it's like a roundabout thing at the moment with the coaches. But um, like Brownie said, you know, the, the clubs have a good look at, you know, who fits at in, in the right place for the right club, for the at the right time. Mm. And um, you know, my brother here next to me, he can coach. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully he can get a gig because I think that he's he'd be um, he'll definitely do. Do well for for a club that 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 takes him on. Yeah, and Brownie, I wonder if out of all of this, if the Paul Green thing means a lot of the a lot of the cards will will fall a lot quicker. Yeah, well, what what you've seen is you've seen the Warriors make a decision first, and then when one makes a decision, it, others start to think they become pressured to make decisions. You know, and some really just go solid and don't worry about it. Others sort of start to go, well, we need to make our decision. And the other thing which makes clubs make decisions too is, which as a coach we all understand is recruitment, you know, because if a coach is seriously under threat to hold his job, players, are they going to re-sign with the club or are you going to be able to attract other players? So players do tend to know what is happening and that was probably one of the things that the Bulldogs, I suppose, which made them make their decisions. They've got a lot of money to spend um, and without being... Yeah, you, know, you certainly don't want board spending money. You want mm. the you want the coach, as I said before, a coach, uh, a general manager, a football recruiter, people that are really in the nuts and bolts of what type of player you want to build your club around. Yeah, you know? so um, those things force clubs to make decisions. Still, so in coaching, I think I said on Triple M the other week, it's far different to what it was many many years ago. You know, Sir Alex Ferguson at Man United did twenty five or thirty odd years. It was the most successful coach in the Premier League ever and probably will be forever and he he made the point when I was in England you know when he was coming towards the end of his time there that if he started coaching in this generation he would have got sacked after 18 months mm. because all the shows and all the experts and all the different media attention he just said I would have been gone but he got to, he got a bit longer than what he probably would get in today's world and he ended up going 25, 30 years and winning more than anyone's ever won. Unbelievable, isn't it, boys? We'll have a quick look at these games coming up in round 11. Obviously, it's a shortened season, but uh, we're already halfway through and uh, there's some big games coming up this weekend. Firstly, Chock, Parramatta and the West Tigers on Thursday night at the beautiful Bank West Stadium. Who do you think will win that one? 
Um, well, the para went down on the weekend, so I think they got to bounce back. And the Tigers had a big win. Mm. They'll be, you know, obviously full of confidence, and you know, have that mundane sort of swagger with them. <laughs> and, uh, coming out to, but I think mm. Paris gonna meet him head on, mm. and um, I think Paris gonna get that one. Do you think, Chuck? If do you think you could? And I'm sincerely asking you. Don't this. you dare ask him if he could play. Oh, that's what Don't I was going to. Do you reckon you question. could shop? But if I if I put my mind to it and I train the way I need to train for it to be a to be a football and my explosiveness, mm. you know what I mean. Muscle memory comes back, but yeah. you know, that's all I can say. Muscle memory comes back. You're like killing yourself. Absolutely, it's like riding a bike, bro. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I come back on the last year for my for my son just to play with my son. But I didn't train for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You gotta train, you gotta you gotta obviously buff up. When I was mm. playing my best, I ran I was 86, 87 kilo. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm down, I'm sitting around 80, 79 now. So mm. I'll buff up, you know, put that speed on and see what happens. You buff up and Brownie will get your start at the Cowboys <laughs> with him next year. <laughs> what about you, Brownie? Parramatta or Tigers? I think if Mitchell Moses doesn't play, I think the Tigers will get him. I just that does I think in three or four years' time, Dylan Brown will be the he'll probably be in the top sort of mm. four or five players in the game. But what's really stood out for me in the last two weeks with Parramatta is just how important Mitchell Moses is, because Dylan Brown's a young half, um, the hooker Mahoney's a, a youngish player, both doing extremely well, both tipped to to play at much higher honours. But without Mitchell, you know, Dylan at this stage of his career. He doesn't know all the right plays to come up with, and I think Mitchell Moses is super important to them. And if Mitchell plays, I'd probably lean towards Parra, but if he don't play, I think the Tigers can cause an upset. Okay, I'll just get through, brush through a couple of these ones. North Queensland Cowboys and Manly in a word, Chock? Oh, man. I think um, I think the Sea Eagles, mm-hmm. I'm in Manly at the moment, so yeah. I think they're going get, get to the, get the biggies there, bro. Brownie? Sea Eagles. Okay, and this one... Uh, Broncos, Melbourne Storm. I'll start with you, Brownie. But ca- can the Broncos, even if they start to improve, it's just not going to happen this week. I can't. Um, yeah, I think there was someone was talking the other day. There's a stat that Melbourne Storm haven't lost to a bottom four team since like 2015. Wow. And I, I just can't see where Brisbane's at at the moment. Them causing Melbourne too much trouble. Jock? Yeah, I'll stick with the Storm, man. They're just so calculated, um, so professional in what they do, so... Young with the storm. Warriors, Roosters, as we mentioned earlier, the Warriors will lose four players who are heading back to uh, New Zealand. The, the issue being that they thought they'd be joined by their family. Red tape means that can't happen yet. But much like the Melbourne game, chock the Roosters? Uh, yeah, the Roosters should be too strong. You know what I mean? The Warriors ain't sort of combining right at the moment you know, with their team. And um, the Roosters are another... Know, strong team, so I think they're going to get the goodies there. Yeah, Roosters, tough tough not to tip the Roosters anyway. What about this one, boys? The old derby, the Sharkies and the Dragons. It takes me back to 99 at uh, ANZ Stadium. A couple of backflips, Chock. Yeah, a couple, of, a couple of front flips, bro, you know what I mean? Just um, having fun. Yeah. Just having fun, man, and enjoying, enjoying your footy. When you play, you enjoy your footy and players enjoy their footy. That brings the best out of them. Jeez, you went Burko that day, didn't you, in the second half? I called that game. Remember that game? Probably one of the best games and a five-way's ever played in the, in the, in the whole career. <laughs> so, who's, <laughs> Sharkies or Dragons? Dragons? Um, they've got to have the Drags, man. Yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my team. Yeah. Brownie? It's one of those games where I'm, I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but mm. I'm going to go the Dragons, obviously. 
Raiders, Rabbitohs. What about this one in a word? Raiders with all those injuries. I lean towards the Raiders, mate. I just don't think South Sydney are going good enough consistently mm. enough. Yeah. Okay. Knights, uh, doggies. Knights comfortably for me. Mm-hmm. Chalk? Um, I want to go to the dogs, mate. This is going to be my upset of the round. What have you been doing? You've been smoking, have you? <laughs> <laughs> the doggies got to beat them, believe me. <laughs> You're going to go doggies. Doggies. All right. Uh, Gold Coast Titans and Panthers. Oh, I can't go past the Panthers. Panthers, Panthers yeah. Okay. Panthers, well, I'm just thinking out loud here, but if uh, Sonny Bill was to come out here and play – uh, for you know, somebody, people are saying Roosters, Warriors, of course, the more probably the firming is the favourite. If it does happen, could we see an Chuck? This is one for you an SBW Paul Gallon fight. Um, I don't know, quite possibly, man. I mean, depends on if the, the money's right for, for Sunday, you know, and the, and the, 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 the uh, percentages are right. Mm. The percentages are right. Sunny be down. I know that. Yeah. Oh, maybe we, maybe we see it. Yeah, maybe we see it. You know what I mean? All right, boys. A Legends of League podcast we're doing at the Four Pines Brew Pub in beautiful Manly. Now, we're going to get these guys to do another podcast with us, and, and we're going to ask them more about that 90s Dragons era where they made a few grand finals, didn't quite win one. Of course, Chock won one at the Broncos, and where their lives have gone since then, and it's going to be a good chat. More relaxed, we'll do that on the Legends of League podcast. Hope you enjoyed that today, aren't they good fellas? Nathan Brown and Anthony Mundine joining us on the Legends of League podcast. And as you know, it's all thanks to our mates at Four Pines Brewing Company. They are our brand partner. We love their product and we love spruiking them. Uh, and you can help them out too on social media using the handle at Four Pines Beer or check their website, easy too, fourpinesbeer.com.au. Part two of Legends of League podcast. We're going to get the guys back in. Anthony Mundine and Nathan Brown talk about what's going on in and around the game today. Please make sure you support the podcast by hitting subscribe so that you're the first to know once a new episode is being released. See all the bits and pieces and all the big announcements on our social media. Our handle is at Legends of League Oz. Legends of League AUS. See you next time on the Legends of League podcast. <laughs>